Hey, it's Andy Kamenetsky, co-host of the Locked On Lakers podcast. No Brian tonight. He has a family event he needed to be at, but I am joined by an awesome guest, the great Mo DeKeel. We are going to break down the Lakers 125-121 overtime win in San Antonio over the Spurs and just the Lakers in general, maybe a little bit of NBA, maybe a little bit of dog and food talk. Who knows? But all that coming up next <laughs> on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And here we go. As always, thank you for making Locked On Lakers your first listen every morning, Monday through Friday. Always appreciate it. Make sure you're checking out the shows across the network in general, subscribing to the YouTube channels for everybody. Brian has mentioned earlier, not with us, but that is your gain because I upgraded, frankly, with <laughs> Mo DeKeel, former NBA video coordinator. You know is writing a Bleacher Report, the podcast with The Athletic, his One Mo Thing series on Twitter, which is awesome. Follow him at Mo, D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. He's got a Twitch show under the same name, 11 a.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Awesome basketball coverage. One of my favorite people. We are still figuring out future lunch plans in the Valley. <laughs> Mo, how are you, man? I'm, I'm hungry. I'm waiting for lunch. <laughs> I know. I know. We got to do this, man. We got to do it. It's, it's, my schedule does not make it easy anymore. Uh, I've, t I've added so many more things to it. I'm like, wow, I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I love, by the way, too, before we get into tonight's game really quick, um, Mo knows how much that over the years when he's been on uh, different shows that Brian and I've done, he's always been generous with his time that we delight with his backgrounds. I love that Mo tonight was basically like, screw it. I'm just doing I, an actual green screen. <laughs> like, there's a literal green screen behind Mo. He's like not even putting on the illusion. <laughs> no, but the, it's it's all dependent on the 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 <laughs> website or platform, right? Like this one wouldn't let me put a, a, a background behind it. But you have to understand, you guys are also the reason why I bought the green screen because the very first show video show I was on during the pandemic was with you and Brian. And you guys roasted me <laughs> about my living, about my my uh, garage setup, and I was just like, "Okay, I can't Boy, have this again." <laughs> we weren't so much roasting you as much as we just noted that it looked like the place a serial killer would store bodies. But I mean, it's just sort of an accurate description. You didn't even disagree that much. No, I mean, but also serial killer video coordinator kind of goes <laughs> hand in hand. You got to be obsessive about stuff. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, that saw didn't end up saw, you know, without working hard. So he had some uh, great audio video stuff to get the camera going and things. He might have been a video coordinator. We don't know. Yeah, Mo, you probably said enough. Um, so <laughs> the Lakers. God, I missed you. Um, Lakers <laughs> win 125-121 over the Spurs in San Antonio. They're now two and two. LeBron didn't play in this game. His ankle was sore. Um, it's the same. It was from a collision from Sunday's game against Memphis, that win. And it's the same uh, right ankle that gave him troubles down the stretch of last year's uh, playoffs and stuff like that. Uh, Frank Vogel said that it wasn't in the exact same spot. And I, I think they're hopeful that it won't be as troublesome. We'll see where that goes. And they were obviously... Still short a lot of bodies, Talon Horton Tucker, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. But I, I wanted to get into just Russ and Anthony Davis. The night Browdy had 
together. I mean, like th- these were two star performances. And to begin, just your impressions of Russ with the Lakers mm-hmm. as the primary guy running sets and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it. First off, we just got to start with the fact he only had three turnovers. Like, yes. we, we, Russ in general, win or win or lose, is normally a high turnover player. For him to only have three turnovers is unbelievable, um, and and great in that aspect. And some of the turnovers he had were things where it's just he's playing with Carmelo Anthony for the first time, and 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 threw a bounce pass. So it was probably something that Melo couldn't get to, and he's got to learn that. But ultimately. Very impressive in that stuff. Thought he handled it well. I thought, you know, there's, it's just an, the ball's in his hands. This is when he's at his best. And this is why it was always a weird pairing with LeBron, just because the ball's in his hands. He's going to make things happen. We saw it in this game. This was actually, I mean, it's early, right? So it's like, oh, it was his best game as a Laker. But this is what Russ looks like at his best. 33 points, 10 to, uh, 15 to 27 shooting, 10 rebounds, eight assists, all positive stuff. Yeah, and th- this also, Tumo, I thought was the best. Russ, I mean, it was his best game as a Laker by a long shot, period, um, since joining the team, even counting preseason, whatever. But this was the best he looked driving to the basket. Like, in terms of the confidence to do it, in terms of actually finishing, in terms of just how often he was looking to do it, like, he really looked like Russell Westbrook in this game. I mean, like if even if the Lakers had lost this game, and it would have been kind of understandable given how many guys that they were actually missing, that in and of itself, I think, would have been something Laker fans would have been pretty excited to see. Yeah, no, I was getting ready to tweet out, this loss is not on Russ. Like I was in my head when it looked like, hey, the Spurs went on that big run, uh, built a little bit of a lead. I thought, oh, the Lakers might lose. And then I'm like, but this isn't on Russ. Like, it really wasn't him. Uh, the, the finishing aspect of it is the big thing. You know, like, Russ can get to the rim a lot, and there are times and there are going to be games where it's literally like, man, is there a lid on the rim or thing? Like, he's just not able to, to finish. Happens from time to time. Sometimes because he's going so fast and so explosively when he's going that way. And this time, he looked a lot more under control, a lot more poised. I mean – the dunk he had in overtime when he, re, you know, the the Spurs sort of jumped to deny him from getting on that to get through that double drag. And he just attacks straight away, rejecting the screen and gets in the lane and gets a dunk like that stuff. That's explosive Russ, that we haven't fully seen yet with the Lakers. Was there anything that you saw? I mean, I, I know the dynamic becomes so much different with LeBron out there. And that's something I definitely want to talk about uh, with you over the course of the show. But was there anything that you saw during this game that you think could possibly be applied uh, once LeBron gets back in terms of trying to just ease that transition? I think some of it is, it might sound a little bit bad, but less time with LeBron on the court with him. I think it's, it's in, in terms of pairing, I think Vogel needs to think, I need to pair Russ with AD more than than. AD and LeBron with Russ sitting and then having Russ taking on the second unit. And we know how Vogel is. He's literally going to play with rotations till about January um, and, and, and try to figure out lineups and stuff like that. But I think that's the most important thing I kind of would take away from it was, hey, Russ and AD together looks really good. 
And 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 I think that's the first starting point I would look at if I'm Vogel in terms of taking away from this game for long term meetings. Okay, that, that's really interesting. And that um, before we get into more of Anthony Davis in this game and the team in general, um, it gets to a discussion that Brian and I had during yesterday's show because we, uh, Vogel, the way he uses LeBron and Russ together, like I, I know when they made that trade, there was a there was a pretty big conventional wisdom that he would look to stagger those two in a lot of ways, keep them separated. And I understand that sort of that thought process. And I understand what you were saying. The flip side of it though, to me is I feel like in order for this to truly work, the two of them have to work together. Like I I feel like if you try to paper over it and I'm not even saying that that's what you're suggesting, but just, I, I know this has come up a lot. I feel like if you try to paper over it, you're ultimately not really getting the most potential you can out of either one of them collectively, but also too, that's where I think the idea that the Lakers could become more vulnerable to adjustments in the playoffs. Like if they're really not used to playing together, you know, Russ and LeBron without the safety valve of AD, I I feel like that's where they could start becoming picked apart more in the playoffs. Well, I, I, your point's a hundred percent valid, right? Like this is the whole point. Use the regular season to experiment so that you can in the playoffs have all of these different things you can go to. And, you know, I, it's not like exclusively don't play LeBron and, and, and Russ together. You know, it's just in the pockets of time when you're working your rotation, that's what I'm thinking more along mm-hmm. those lines. And you know what? Russ and LeBron worked well in the Memphis game together, and a lot of it was Russ setting screens, right? It's going to be on Russ to change quite a bit here, right? And Russ is going to have to get better, you know, being a screen setter. He said um, uh, Zach Lowe from ESPN has been talking about this a ton, and even on his podcast today, you know, highlighted Russ set seven screens yesterday. That's the most he's ever set in a game, you know, but like ever? That's what it sounded. That's what if I if maybe I'm not totally heard him correctly then, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said wow. in a game. And that actually makes sense because he was never really a screen I mean, setter. I, you I, know, I set like three screens in a ESPN LA 710 game that like a charity no, game. No, that but play. that doesn't count because you don't move. Just because the person what runs by you is not you setting. You a know screen. what? True story. Um, me and Mike Trudell, you know Mike. Yeah, um, everybody knows Mike. He's a sideline reporter for the Lakers for their for their coverage uh, as part of the Lakers uh, film room podcast. Awesome dude. We ran a two man game where I uh, where the two of us ran Shane Mosley into a back screen that I set, and it worked. And he went straight into me. I was like, I am never doing that again. Like, it hurt. <laughs> Sugar <laughs> Shane Mosley, right? Yes. The boxer? Yes. Yeah, no, you I would look at Trudell like, yeah, I'm gonna set the screen and then just get the hell out of the way. Like, nope, nope, no. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not I'm not talented enough to do like a slip screen, something like that. Like, <laughs> like really, if I'm if I'm looking to set a screen, I, I don't think I'm coordinated enough to do two things, but he went straight into me on this back screen. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. That no. Really hurt. But but with Russ and and LeBron, Russ has got to do that. Russ has got to be more of a cutter in those instances. Even in this game, there was a a, a post up Mello had that he ended up turning the ball over. It was in the second quarter, and probably not a lot of time for Russ to to make the cut because Mello threw it away pretty quickly. But there was a wide open lane for him to cut, and you can just see it. Russ was in no position of I'm going to cut. He's got to become a better off ball player. 
and that's going to be setting screens and cutting off the ball. And that's how it's going to work with him and LeBron. And that's what they got to work on when they're on the court together. But in the time like LeBron, they're, they're going to have times where they got to rest. And I think with the Lakers and this luxury, they can set up stuff where Russ cannot maximize the second unit the way LeBron can. And I think that's going to be the ultimate thing. Because also the big part, as much as we would say you got to experiment, you also got to win games. Because yeah. now it's not about just, hey, let me get to the eight seed. It's you got to get six or up. Lakers saw it last year by being in the playing tournament. You, you, you got to make sure you're not in that position. You got to make sure you're in positions to win games. And I think that's going to be the big part for what the Lakers need, making that pairing work between those two guys. All right, well, another big part of this win over San Antonio was obviously Anthony Davis, 35 points, 17 rebounds, four assists, four blocks, just a huge, huge night for for a guy that is, in a lot of ways, a big key to this season. So we'll definitely get into that. Coming up next, but first, Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweatlock. There are a few things in life that are just not fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. Like when you are sweating through your entire wardrobe for no reason, it's like 70 degrees out, like it's kind of gross, but it's definitely embarrassing, and I don't want to have to talk about it. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to worry about it. So that's why I use sweat block antiperspirant wipes. They're stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You just apply it at night before bedtime. Next morning, you wake up, you wash, you go about your day, and you don't have to worry about sweat. You only have to use it once or twice a week, and you can stay dry the entire time, guaranteed or your money back. No more pit stains. No more picking out your entire wardrobe based on what hides your sweat better. Like, who needs that? So- I'll put it to you another way. If you know of a sweat solution, a different one, that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show, tested by firefighters, I'm listening, but since that doesn't exist, just go check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off, sweatblock.com, using the promo code LOCKEDON, or at Amazon and CVS. All right, Mo, so we were talking about AD. This was just huge from him. And, you know, it's to me, it's beyond just the numbers, which were monstrous it was the way he was going about getting these getting these baskets you know it was, it was the inside outside thing he had going on but what really stood out to me mo was the inside and just like the idea that he recognized i gotta be attacking like i i need to become more of a force in the lane for this team yeah i mean you, you saw it down the stretch when the, the the lakers were trying to get back in this game in the fourth quarter it was a post up against Derek White where White flops and he gets two and, and he AD draws the foul, gets two free throws out of it. The next possession, it's a post up against Kelton Johnson and getting into the lane there and finishing along those lines. It was just a matter of I'm bigger than all of these guys they're putting on me. I can't hang out on the perimeter. I got to get my butt down in the post. And I think that really kind of paid off dividends for him. Now, it's also easier when they're in the small lineup versus the big lineup, because it's a lot harder to get in the post with AD or Deion, or excuse me, because he is AD. He's supposed to be close. <laughs> it's a lot harder for for to get in the post with Howard and DeAndre Jordan in there to kind of clog the lanes and things like that. It makes it a lot difficult. Help comes and it's a bigger guy and all of that. So I think that's the thing where like AD kind of just his, his dominance was really felt along the lines of I'm going to be the, big man here and I think that was a, a, a big factor in them getting back in this game and you know he, he didn't shoot the three ball well but had some good mid-range jumpers had a pick and pop at the top of the key from Russ and things like that had had some of that stuff going but when in doubt 
just give it to him on the block and let him go to work. Even if it's a face-up, just let him go to work. Yeah, he missed all four of his threes. It's funny, though. Like, I know he needs to take them, like, just in terms of, if nothing else, representing a threat so maybe he can get backed off and then drive where, you know, he, he's got a better handle than I think he has a better, three, you know, three-point shot. So you, you want that. But the flip side is, like, I don't necessarily care how many he makes. And I also don't really expect him to make a lot. Like Anthony Davis, I think because his jumper is gorgeous and, you know, he looks so good doing it. Like he has more of a reputation as a floor spreader than I think he actually is like that type of floor spreader. Right. You're, you're correct that the mid range is more reliable, but even then it, it can be up and down. Like we've seen that a lot over the course of his three years in LA and, you know, really, it it was money when it mattered most in the bubble, but the bubble was kind of more outlier than his. Yeah, whole that career. was fluky. Yeah, that was fluky, and I and I don't mean that as a shot at AD. I just mean the shot making in the bubble no. throughout the entire league was, was like Jordan esque. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, you know, and and the the, the three ball is going to be important. Like he's got to knock those down at just like a 33% clip or something like that, just because they're going to need that space. Problem is though, that's like a career high for him. Yeah, I know. I know we're asking a lot there, but the other thing too, and this is really, I'm going to hijack the conversation here a little bit. Please do. Uh, I'm tired. You know, and, and, and the other thing too, though, is the Lakers got to embrace small ball. They got it. I've, I've been on this thing. Like, Starting DeAndre Jordan at center. And listen, DeAndre was was okay in this game. Dwight Howard was good in this game. Howard finished with eight rebounds or something like that. Like was was these guys were solid. But you're starting the game small, and that's kind of putting you at a disadvantage because there's no space now. There's no yeah. space for LeBron to drive. There's no space for Russ to drive. You have, you know, two and a half non-shooters, depending on how you classify AD on the court, you know. And listen. Ken Bazemore doesn't scare me if I'm another team, you, you, you know, and, and LeBron shooting is shooting the hell out of the ball, but I'm okay. I'd you, rather LeBron shoot the than floor the, space for LeBron, not the other way around. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of the, the problem with it. And then, you know, when you look at cleaning the glass numbers and they break it down by position, now this doesn't include tonight's game. I've been quietly refreshing while we've been going, <laughs> hoping it would, hoping it would. Um, so like, AD's played a lot more minutes at center. 57% of his minutes have been at center, right? So when they're small, they have a point differential of minus 12.1. Excuse me, when they're big, excuse me, when he's at power forward, minus 12.1. When they're small, it's plus 2.4. Now, that's not great, but it's way better than minus 12.1. Yes, yes, it is. You know, that's a 14-point swing right there. You know, and I think that's that's the thing the Lakers need to start embracing more is at least starting that way because you're putting yourself in the hole to start games now. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And this is also something Brian and I talked about recently. And, you know, I preface this by saying I would prefer Anthony Davis start at the five. I, I've been lobbying for this for a while, even though the minute they signed Deandre Jordan, I said, that is an indication that they're right. not going to do this. Um, I don't care what type of wish casting people want to make. I, I was like, I'm only going to believe it when I see it. And even then, I'm not sure I'll believe it. What I think, though, is interesting about it, though, is like I wouldn't start DeAndre either, but I also don't think that his play in a vacuum has necessarily been so much a problem 
in and of itself. At, like, I think he has not been great on balance. I think he has not been terrible on balance. I think he's sort of been a glorified 10th man who happens to start. It's more just sort of that overall effect, what you're talking about, and sort of the limitations that gets placed on them by starting DeAndre as opposed to just DeAndre himself or even Dwight himself, who I think you know played well in this game, but quietly this season, I don't think has been great to start things out, but right. everyone's been so focused on DeAndre, they've kind of ignored Dwight. It's sort of a weird thing where like just them as individuals aren't necessarily the problem. It's more of just the the butterfly effect, the the ripple effect of what happens. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly that. It has nothing to do with those two guys as players. It's literally just the limitations of what this makes it easy for the defense. Everybody's yeah. playing them. It's just going to pack in the paint. We're fine. We're just going to pack in the paint. They're going to they they have to come to us anyways. We're just going to clog the lane. So now LeBron's not only trying to get through his defender and the help defender. He's also got DeAndre there. He's also got Russ, you know, uh, along those lanes. Like, it's just, it's a lot of traffic. It's the 405, you know, at (laughs) 5 o'clock during the day. Like, you're not getting anywhere. No. So, okay. Bearing in mind right now, the Lakers, you know, have injury issues and, you know, like guys who are out that, depending on how you look at it, either tie Vogel's hands or, I think at times, give Vogel an excuse to tie his own hands because I – I think he prefers just larger lineups that create more leverage at the rim. Again, I don't endorse it, but this is what I just think right. he prefers. How would you do it right now if you were to recreate a starting lineup with with who the Lakers have available now? What would you put out there? I think I would sit DeAndre. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously, after I've just campaigned, it would have been great if after <laughs> I campaigned all this, start DeAndre, <laughs> Dwight Howard, and AD. Like, just let's go. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's go um, yeah, I mean, no. by the way this is assuming assuming lebron's back quickly but with the other yeah. guys who are missing like yeah no i think tht and ariza yeah and, and and to be honest i would have never started those guys i would okay. honestly have looked at starting either malik monk or you just resigned you just brought bradley back and i don't know why he's getting dmps i don't think he's that bad but i think he gives you a better chance of guarding guards which is something kent Bazemore doesn't do very well uh, just case in point, that whole Memphis game against John Morant. I mean, he he can guard twos and threes fine, but he can't guard quick guards. I, Avery Bradley can do that. So I, I would consider starting one of those two. And Monk looked great tonight. Like Monk brought a nice element of drive and kick. He brought a little bit more of just catch and move on the go. Obviously can shoot. Not very good defensively. That's definitely a thing. But he had a couple of good defensive moments in this game, though. I will say, I, I, I was impressed by a couple of things he did. But you know, it's it's not his strong suit. By well, I mean, up and down the roster, there's nobody I could really sub in that I would feel like. I mean, Bradley's probably the closest where I could say like, okay, they bring a little bit more defensively. But up and down that roster, it's not going to improve the defense massively. But at least I have more shooting. Okay, okay. Put a pin in that because that leads to something that I wanted to ask you about anyway. Um, the Lakers sort of defensively at large, where they can go, how how they can possibly improve, if at all. Also, I want to get your opinion on some what the offense looks like to you this year with such a radically different roster. So I want to get your uh, thoughts on both of those coming up next. But first, Mo. Lockdown Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Covered in 100% chocolate, they are soft, easy to chew. Not going to call out the ones that you can't chew, but like 
you know who they are. They're deadbeats. They re- they require like a chainsaw and like a, an <laughs> axe and a hammer and a blowtorch. And like, that's just too much labor for a snack. But like built Bars, they're healthy. They taste great. They're low sugar. They're low calorie, high protein, high fiber. They're great for the keto crowd. And as always, taste awesome. You got the 12 original flavors, including raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, new flavors, including cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream, just awesome, cool taste combinations. You're never going to feel like you're bored eating the same thing over and over with Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so y- you were talking about the the defensive options, Mo, with this team. And even at full strength, this is definitely a, a roster that uh, upgraded a lot offensively at the expense of the defense. And and I think that can be justified in a lot of ways. The last couple of seasons, the, the pressure, I think, that was on this defense to perform at an elite level because their offense, particularly in anything that wasn't running, just was not reliable, I think that's really difficult to maintain, but there's a potential price to pay. How, how good do you think this defense can be? Or even like, how good enough do you think they can be? I mean, that's a hard question. Cause I don't think it can be very good. <laughs> just off the bat. It didn't uh, sound like it was that hard, Mo. Just because I look at, you know, look, Russ is not a plus defender. Uh, your, your best de- defenders are AD and LeBron and it's LeBron when he tries, right? Like there's a clip a friend of mine sent me of the Phoenix game where he's just chilling and the dude cuts right by him, you know, and, and gets a bucket. Like there are times where LeBron he's takes probably thinking up. about squid game and getting pissed off. You know, don't get me started. Squid, <laughs> squid game. Are you on team other. LeBron with, with no, his, uh... I'm not. I have a whole okay. theory behind that, but I, okay. I'm, I, uh, if I ever get to talk to LeBron, which will never happen, I will, I would have laid it out for him, but, uh, <laughs> Ultimately, he's not a fan of the end. We won't spoil anything, but LeBron is not a fan of how Squid Game wrapped up season one. Yeah, it's because he's not understanding the main character, but we'll get to that on another another plane. Uh, locked on Squid Game. Yeah, locked on Squid Game. I'll be your host. Uh, nice. The whole. <laughs> but the, the, the big thing is just where I mean, Avery Bradley, they just brought in is a guy I think is pretty good defender. Might hurt you a little bit offensively, although he played well as a Laker before the bubble and then just ended up not and didn't go to the bubble. Trevor Ariza is out. I don't think you. Re- it's going to be hard to get him back in and back in the rotation and things like that. And also he's like a thousand um, yeah. and not in the same way of, Oh, well, so is LeBron. LeBron's like a thousand, but looks 20 no, in he, the way. He, he's Ariza. like a Tom Brady, a thousand. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. So, you know, when you look at it and even the big guys like Dwight Howard brings a little bit of stuff, Deandre Jordan, not as much. After that, it's all negative defenders on the roster. And we don't know what THT is yet, right? Second year, I'm not willing to say he's made these improvements one way or the other defensively. You know, Austin Reeves is is the Caruso, you know, replacement right now. But not and, defensively yet. But not, not defensively. defensively. You know, he had a nice play today, you know, drew a charge and things well, like he, that. But he's further along at this stage offensively than Caruso was in terms of doing more than just the little things. But defensively he you know he works i think he understands what he's supposed to be doing caruso even like as a g league guy coming up and down you could tell that guy can defend yeah and and i just think so when you look at the roster i'm like where is the defense going to come from you know i was made a joke on the the nerd she wrote podcast at the athletic i just said you know listen 
if the Lakers had another top five defense, forget giving Vogel the coach of the year award. You got to name it after him because <laughs> that's like the heroic feat right there. You know, and I, I don't see that kind of happening. So it's they traded in defense for offense. Fine. The offense has to be on another level. And it can't have nights where, where it struggles and things like that because especially on the perimeter, I don't know where you're going to get a ton of defense on this roster. So like, can it improve? Yeah, it can get better, but it's not going to be to the point. Like they got to at least be just an average level defense, you know, because and, and, and their offense has to be in like the top five. Right. If they're average, you know, something around like 15 to 12 for, for the season, is that basically Anthony Davis having played defensive player of the year quality defense? Because, I mean, that's to me, he's the game changer in terms of like, okay, how either how good can they be or just how much can be papered over? It's, it's him. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. And we're seeing it, by the way. Like oh, you saw those yes. plays in the Memphis games, you know, the big block on Jaron Jackson Jr. for a three, the uh, block on John Moran after the jump ball, the he picked off the pass, uh, fell out of bounds or foul, whatever Laker fans want to call it um, type of deal. But he's made a ton of defensive plays. He's showed it tonight with a bunch of plays. I think, you know, when you're looking at the, the way he's playing, he's playing at that level. It is hard to sustain that for 82 games, but they need him to, right? It's 82 games plus. He has to be able to do this in the playoffs also. And as you and I both want, he's got to do it, and they got to be big much – I mean, they got to be playing small much longer, so he's got to be guarding bigs much more often. Well, what's interesting, though, is I think if he is doing it from the five spot, I think that – because you know a lot of this stuff in terms of the way the voting works. It's all narratives. And that narrative, assuming he plays well doing it, works really well in AD's favor because, A, I think it's going to unlock a really, really good version of him defensively. It's really going to showcase all the versatility he has. But also people are going to take note that, you know, he he went against his preferences. Like, he's made it very clear he does not want to play the five unless he absolutely has to. It's going to be seen as a sacrifice if if he does more of it than he'd like. So, you know, all that's good. Yeah, it's all it's all a positive in that sense, you know, and I think we'll we'll just have to see if he can maintain it. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I wanted to get into really specifically is with the Lakers offense. And I, I was curious just as from your perspective as somebody that's been around a lot of plays diagrammed, you break down film, you know, this stuff. Frank Vogel, as a lead defensive coach as he is, he's never been known for his offenses, even his best teams have been pretty average, and I think a lot of his offenses haven't been particularly creative. What, if anything new, have you seen this year with this very different roster, you know, LeBron and Russ, and what would you like to see more of that, that yeah. you haven't? It's it, it, You're right on with your assessment of Vogel in terms of great defensive coach, not a great offensive coach type deal. The I haven't really seen anything new besides the small in terms of Russ setting the screen for LeBron that we touched on earlier. It's it's hard because it's all kind of new because mm -hmm. it's a whole new roster. They're running isolations for mellow from time to time and things like that. They're they're running the one wrinkle I say they're doing a little more often this year that they haven't done in years past is using AD as a facilitator a little bit, putting him at the elbow and running some 
you know, pin downs and the dribble handoffs and things like that to, to, to get him on the move on the roll and things like that and, and create opportunities of somebody coming downhill, all of that stuff. And I think that's a little bit different. I think the way they've utilized AD, I've, I've, actually wrote a piece for it on, on, on Bleacher Report after the first game. Uh, even though they had lost, I was impressed with AD, the way they kind of moved him around the chessboard. You know, he was in the post. They used him as the facilitator in the, at the elbow. You know, even when they were small, they were allowing him to kind of, you know, create, uh, excuse me, cut off of guys like when Mello was posting up, when Russ was posting up and things like that. So I think it's, it's the, the wrinkles that we've seen so far have been, with AD's package more than anybody else's. And, you know, it's, it's not terribly creative if I'm being honest, but it's not, but it's something right now. And it's still early and they're still drip feeding things into, you don't, as a coach, you don't want to give the whole playbook in training camp. You kind of work your way through. I, I risk it with what I've seen in the playbook in the past. I, I, I'd be willing to throw it all out there right now and just let them work on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that chance. You know, it's, 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 possible so but that's that's my that's what i've seen with them i think the offense will get better i think the chemistry will get better the cohesion you know it's it's funny like we all have to kind of resist the temptation of the sky is falling this is Mm -hmm. going to look bad at times this was not a pretty win tonight against the spurs right a spurs team that's really young but doesn't have anybody that's superstar talent that you should feel like you know, even without LeBron, if we had AD, we felt like, hey, we should be fine. It's it's going to look ugly at times, but we have to resist that urge because they're not fully healthy, as we talked about. They're they're still kind of figuring out who's who and, and how to use everybody. So just everybody's got to take their time with this and let this thing develop. I think this I think the way they're pl- they're going to play is going to be completely different by the end of the season. He is Mo DeKeel. Again, you know, is writing at Bleacher Report, the podcast at The Athletic, One Mo Thing series on Twitter. Again, follow him, Mo D A K H I L underscore NBA. You can also find his Twitch show. Same handle, 11 a.m., Monday through Friday. That is Pacific time. He is, quite frankly, the best. As always, man, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.